0: Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve the life and leadership of assistant principals. This podcast complements Apex, the Assistant Principal Acceleration Program, but you certainly don't need to be an Apex member to find value in the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brenda Bird, an Assistant Superintendent for School Leadership and a former South Carolina Elementary Principal of the Year and a national distinguished principal. Brenda works for Greenville County School District in Greenville, South Carolina. And Greenville is an interesting school district because although it's South Carolina's largest school district, it has a range of schools from rural to urban to suburban. And today, Brenda is here to talk with us about what makes an AP great. Hello, Brenda. It's so good to see you again.
1: Hello. Great to see you too, Frederick. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, I'm excited. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. So before we kick off, can you tell me briefly about how you got to where you are today?
1: Wow. Um, You know, I think my whole life I've been an educator, it seems like, from my very first job of um, being an after-school care worker when I was in high school to um, getting the opportunity to become a teacher after graduating from Clemson, Served as assistant administrator, principal, um, and just am very fortunate to get to serve in this capacity, serving the central office in Greenville County and being in schools, coming alongside schools to do the work that they do each day.
0: Yeah, and how did you move from? Um, I guess when you're national distinguished principal, there's not there's not a lot of room to to go. Um, how, what 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 moved you into from the principalship then into district office?
1: I like change. Um, I, I just, I'm not one that could have taught second grade for 30 years or um, even been a principal for 25 years. I, I salute those who do have that longevity because we need that. Um, we need that in our employees. But I just like a challenge. I like change. And so, always looking for opportunities to grow my skill set to come alongside others and work collaboratively, which is very important at the central office level, and just to broaden my impact that I was making and to serve principals. I love working with principals. Even when I was a principal at a school, I loved opportunities to collaborate with them and to work together. So when this opportunity came open, I put my name in the hat, and knew that if it was meant to be, that it it would, and uh, was fortunate to be able to to slide into this role eight years ago.
0: Okay, thank you for sharing that, and I I know we have people listening from all over the place, um, and so people have all kinds of different school districts that they're in, but I've worked with you all before, and one of the things that, that has truly impressed me in Greenville County is just the level of commitment to leadership development and you'll have programs for your assistant principals. You have other aspiring leader programs. You do a lot of work as district level people to improve your coaching skills, to be able to go and support your superintendent or your principal. So, uh, I think it's important for listeners to understand that you're coming from that background. Uh, you know, a lot of districts aren't resourced that way or don't have that kind of emphasis. So I think that's a good, good thing to remember. So, this podcast is built around the principles of strategic leadership, prioritizing purpose over urgency, addressing problems, not symptoms, driving incremental progress rather than big change, and focusing on people instead of tasks. I suspect that our discussion today will touch on all four of those, but let's start with a story. Tell me about a time when you had an interaction with an assistant principal and thought, wow, this is a great AP.
1: Okay. So a story about a great AP. Well, one thing that comes to my mind um, that we've been doing recently is working on filling our principal vacancies. So we have been doing lots of interviews for principals. So we um, interview external candidates from outside of Greenville. We also, of course, interview and consider our internal APs or internal principals who might want a new opportunity. So one of the questions that we asked in our recent round of interviews was, tell me about an instructional initiative that you were responsible for leading in your school. And so one of our internal APs, I was just really uh, impressed with her response. Um, Part of it was about how she was able to articulate her message in an interview, which is a skill in itself, as we know, that's a challenge. But she was also able to take a specific example of something where she had developed and grown her instructional leadership and share that. And I'll kind of tell you what, what she shared as, as her example. So um, this assistant principal is going through one of our um, aspiring leadership Um, academies that we have. Um, It's called API in Greenville, Aspiring Principals Institute. And during that, they have opportunities to go and shadow uh, experienced principals. So she had an opportunity to go shadow another principal. And so prior to that experience, she was thinking about what her school needs are. Uh, She's an assistant principal in a large school here in Greenville. Um, what are some issues that her school is dealing with? What are some things that maybe she would look for to come back and complement her school to be able to support her school needs? And so one of the areas that, that they were kind of leaning into at her school was to increase student um, ownership of their learning. And so that's something they had been tossing around and that they didn't have an immediate answer for. But when she went and visited and shadowed this other principal, she came across a strategy that that school was using around student goal setting. And you know, student goal setting is not a brand new concept. It's been around for quite some time, but um, it's probably not a lot of schools that really dig into student goal setting and it can be very powerful. So she observed it, she asked questions about it, she learned about it, and she came back um, kind of on fire around student goal setting and shared that with her principal. She was like, let me tell you about what I learned today. And she did, and the principal was very open to her sharing that with um, their leadership team and to get some input from their larger leadership team. She did. The leadership team thought that that definitely had some merit, but they wanted to see what the teachers thought about it. They wanted to see if there would be teacher buy-in for that, so she didn't stop there. Uh, They brainstormed and selected a grade level that they thought might be open to that type of work, and she approached that grade level. This is a grade level that she's built a lot of trust with over time, and she approached them about um, this need that their school had articulated previously and this strategy that she had come across and wanted to get their feedback if they thought this could be beneficial for the students in their school. And this was an upper grade, uh, grade level, either fourth or fifth grade, I can't remember which one. The teachers thought it was a great idea. Um, they were very open to trying this strategy. Um, So the assistant principal talked in the interview about how she planned with this grade level. She took their input into consideration. They um, worked together on this, they collaborated, they implemented it together. It wasn't something that she just said, here's an idea, y'all take it and run with it. She rolled up her sleeves. She um, came alongside them to support them in this work. They implemented it together. They um, monitored for effectiveness. They talked about what's working, what's not working, what are your thoughts? what are what are you seeing? So they uh, monitored for success. They talked about how we could make it even better. Um, and so it was very successful in that grade level to the point where they were looking at scaling it up um, on a on a larger school level due to the success. And so that was such a great example of, Taking a question in an interview, taking a responsibility as an assistant principal, and really digging deeper and going deeper with something like that and being able to showcase your leadership through that.
0: Yeah, wow. Okay, I'm gonna unpack a little bit of that. Okay. Who is an awesome example? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think one of the things that stands out in that is not only does she understand the instructional part of it. Uh, but also that whole, the change process. And I right. think when we when we think about our pipelines and and the gap between assistant principals and principals, it's that managing change and the instructional leadership are two of the biggest pieces. Uh, so I just wanna actually recap for the people listening, a couple of the, the things that were just so strong in there. First of all, she went through all the stakeholders. So she didn't come in and say, I'm gonna drive this down, right? This was right. a conversation that happened at multiple layers. And, and that in the end was something with permission that, that people wanted to do, and it's just so essential, um, I, you know, especially now, there's so much going on, and when we try to, we find the answer, and we go in, and when we try to drive that without first working with people and talking to people, um, that usually doesn't work too well. She also picked something that's relatively finite. I mean, we could say student goal setting can be a big thing but it sounds like they were very focused on it they didn't try to change everything uh, they just took this one practice and then and then using that pilot group i, I wish everybody would embrace that that right. when we want to try something we don't know if it's going to work let's work first work with a willing group that wants to try right because right. if it's not going to work with them it's not going to work with anyone <laughs> and at the same time if you make if it doesn't work and you make some mistakes those folks are probably going to be more more forgiving from you. That's right. Yeah. And and I think
1: kind of gone are the days where you are mandating um, new initiatives across the board. It needs to be few and far between when we take that approach, we really need to start looking for those teacher leaders, those early adopters who may be interested in doing work like that and and let them help you kind of work out the kinks and, and look for those success opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's critical. And, and then, and then you can scale if it works and then, and you're not having to sell it because if it works for the other teachers, then the other teachers are going to want it too. Exactly. And, and I also like that you, that they had, it sounded like they decided what would constitute success because I think that's one of the other places where we kind of miss the boat. Sometimes you say, we're going to do this practice, but we don't necessarily say this is what success will look like. Right. So, okay, wonderful. Now that spins into another question, which is, what do you? There, there are a lot of assistant principals that just get caught up in the urgent tasks, understandably, because there's a lot to do, and they never get to that point of being in, of learning to do instructional leadership. There are assistant principals in similar situations that find ways to work on their instructional leadership and to help teachers grow. What are some of the things you see really good assistant principals doing that allow them to get into those classrooms and to work on that instructional leadership? Mm,
1: That's a great question. You know, um, used to administrators focused on all the operational and that's kind of where they lived, but um, that's not the case anymore. You do have to have effective practices with, with operational and management to to be able to transition to more of that instructional leadership so that that is something that's really important to focus on. I think that time management is one of the most important uh, skill sets that effective leaders need to have and that that's so true for assistant principals. Assistant principals I, I tell them a lot of times they're kind of the nuts and bolts of the school that the day to day operation I mean they know a lot about a lot of things and they really um, have a good handle typically on the, the inner workings, the, the day-to-day happenings. And so they are critical to the success of a school. And so they really have to manage their time well, because if you don't, then you are just in response mode all the time. Then, then you're just being reactive. And so you really have to plan proactively to schedule your responsibilities Um, start by scheduling the most important tasks, because if you don't, if those are left as an afterthought, like classroom observations, they're not going to happen consistently. They're gonna be very hit or miss. Put everything on your calendar. I mean, that's a practice that I've lived by for, for my whole career professionally, personally, all, anything that I need to remember, anywhere I need to be, any commitment I've made, even tasks and to, to-do lists and things like that are included on my calendar, and, and I live by it, um, and if you don't get to something, you know, if you've had to reprioritize, then you make note of that, and you circle back to that, and look for an opportunity to, um, to pull that in at a later time, so I think time management, and along with that organization, You've gotta have a good organization system to uh, be able to monitor all of the responsibilities that you have and different APs have different responsibilities. Some are, are focused on SPED or school, the school facility, or of course, discipline, um, transportation, instruction, all the different things that they're responsible for. So what does that organization system look like? some are naturally very organized and some are not (laughs) and so those globals uh, not that you can't be a global but those globals have really got to figure out a system to be able to um, organize monitor maintain the what they need to be able to take care of their responsibilities and to keep their principal informed of progress There needs to be a good way, and and heaven forbid, if somebody had to step in and take over for an assistant principal um, who had, you know, an illness or something like that, you've got to have good organizational systems to be able um, to allow that to happen, so I think follow-through is another really important piece that, that I talk about with assistant principals. You know, good intentions are just the beginning. I meet people all the time who have great ideas, they're innovative, they are very creative, but you've got to develop systems to plan and execute your responsibilities. Um, again, you've got to keep your principal informed with progress as needed. Don't wait to be asked for how things are coming along. Look for some type of structured opportunity where you can keep your principal apprised of progress that you're making and any barriers that you have in terms of, um, taking care of those responsibilities.
0: Yeah. So, Look, follow can I jump through. The, um, so going back to, um, what you just said, don't, don't, um, make sure you follow through. I think one of the things I see from assistant principals is that they're so they they're so eager to help everybody and that that's their job, help everybody that they overcommit. Yes. Which then they can't follow through. Do you have any specific tips for assistant principals uh, in terms of decision making or or anything so that they don't overcommit?
1: Yeah, and I've seen that before. I've seen um, I ran into an instance with with an assistant that. Uh, Made it a practice of going around and asking everybody in the school all the time, can I help you with anything, but then that person was struggling with being able to fulfill um, his responsibilities so you have to have an awareness of your own capabilities and your plate of the things that are on your plate I'm not saying don't offer to assist other people, you need to do that that's very important but you also need to be sure that you're focusing on the responsibilities that you have. I mean, I just have a good old to-do list. I, you know, you've got to figure out what works for you. And you have to prioritize those things that are most essential, the things that you have to get done. Think about the deadlines that you have looming, the projects that you're working on that will require multiple steps for you to be able to get through them. And you just constantly have to prioritize because we also know that with a to-do list that you're not going to get everything done on that to-do list in a given day. Um, It'd be great if that happened, but a good portion of our job as administrators is responding to whatever the immediate needs are. And we have to realize that those aren't interruptions. That's part of our job of meeting other people's needs. And we have to be able to adapt and um, respond to those needs when uh, when appropriate. That doesn't mean that just because you get an email from someone, with a low level request that you have to stop what you're doing and respond to them. So that prioritization is so very important.
0: I think that's really hard. I I was with some assistant principals today and, and this is exactly what we were talking about. Right. And, uh, and how do you get in and do the instructional leadership piece? We're talking about coaching and uh, we talked about the Eisenhower matrix, which is that the four quadrants, and the top portion is what's important, and then the left side is um, urgent. And and so you wind up with the urgent and important stuff, which most people are pretty good at taking care of that, right? And nine times out of 10, that's safety. We're gonna do safety. So we take care of the urgent and important, but then what, what happens if we're not being really thoughtful about prioritizing, and we are reacting to those email requests, we then start reacting to the urgent instead of the important but not urgent. And it's that that other quadrant, call it quadrant two, the the important but not urgent, that that is a lot of teacher development work. Mm-hmm. And so when we get caught up on addressing those little emails or looking for, for work from people, we lose quadrant two.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you. Yes.
0: And and I think the other thing that that I see is everybody's happy to have the assistant principal do something for them right and and so I may come to the assistant principal and I have something that it is important to me but it may not be your job so it may not be important to you and, and you're trying to to meet the needs of the teacher but then you wind up sacrificing the needs of your school because you're not doing that instructional leadership piece Absolutely. You have to
1: be careful about, um, you know, each person who comes to you with a problem, issue, idea, taking on um, whatever it is that that they would like uh, to see happen. And so we've got to instill capacity in others. We've got to build leadership opportunities in our teachers and other staff members. And sometimes, you know, good ideas may not come to fruition or maybe not right now. Maybe it is a possibility at some point, but we have to continue to focus on the priorities that we've established for the year. If we water down the year and we end up by the end of the year with a dozen priorities, then none of those are gonna get the focus that they need to have. So it's having that courage to professionally, politely uh, help others understand, You know, remember these are the priorities that we committed to as a staff this year. And I, I love your idea. I think your idea has a lot of merit, but I think we might need to circle back and look for the best time to consider um, you know, going forward with an idea like this, or hey, let's take this to faculty council and see what the teachers think about this and get buy-in from others before saying, hey, I love your idea. Yeah, I'll talk to the principal about it. Um, yeah, I have to be careful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I was at the district office, I was in Northwest Ohio as a special ed coordinator. And well, I saw all kinds of things we needed to be doing. And one day I was sharing another one of them with my mentor and superintendent. And he said, Frederick, lots of people have good ideas, (laughs) but who's willing to do the work? Yeah. And I've tried to to really embrace that. And I think that is one thing we can do. We do get people that are excited about something or they see a way they think things could could get better or we could take the next step. You don't want to shut that down. At the same time, if you already have your priorities, right, you only have so many resources. And I, and I like one of the things I've learned is to task them with it. If they have a great idea, that's great. What would be the next step? Okay, you go take a look at that. and. Right. And if you do that a couple of times and they keep going out and doing the work and bringing it back, well, now you've got somebody that's committed. That's right. Okay. So when leaders live in the urgent zone, they they mistake action for progress. We've already started to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes focusing on those symptoms instead of solving problems. So what, what are a couple strategies that, Assistant principals can do to become more proactive and more problem focused instead of symptom focused?
1: Mm. That takes me back to some of my days of being an assistant principal. I served as an assistant principal at both the middle and the elementary level. And so, you know, I think many a day you think, um, what 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 did I do to impact those school priorities today? Or was it more feeling like you're putting out fires? And so you do have to be intentional about that work. I think a great place to start with that is asking questions, um, using data, um, observe current reality. What are some of your school's problems, issues, things that you know that you need to address? Teachers have brought those up. Um, There's consensus across the school that, hey, this is an issue. Maybe it's student behavior or maybe it's attendance or maybe it's balanced literacy, whatever whatever it is that you've determined as an area needing improvement. Take initiative and and bring this um, to your principal's attention. Um, Participate in conversations in your leadership team meetings and look for opportunities to take initiative with projects like this. Um, it's so important to review your school's data. Let's say that this is maybe a behavior piece that your school is saying, wow, our disciplinary uh, numbers are really on the rise. I've been hearing principals recently say student behavior has been increasing um, at this point right now during the pandemic. So you know, what are the most common infractions that the data is pointing out to you that is an issue in your school? Um, Of course, it's good to talk to teachers and get their input, but what does the data um, tell us? Maybe it's disrespectful behavior. Maybe that's the one that's the most frequently um, appearing in in your data. So I think there's a lot of questions that we have to ask ourselves. Sometimes we wanna jump quickly to the kids. What can we do to fix the kid? Um, but we have to step back and say, well, what have we put into place in our school? What student supports have we put into place to address our student needs? Um, Are our staff members building positive relationships with kids? Are they modeling mutual respect? Because it has to begin there, has to happen there. Um, What skills do we need to teach our students? Do we have a common language? Do we have um, explicit teaching of appropriate behaviors in classrooms and school-wide? How can administrators and counselors work together? That, That is so very important. I remember in my work as an administrator, whether I was an AP or a principal, really partnering with the school counselor throughout the day as I worked with students. Um, and not just putting the Band-Aid on whatever that infraction was, but really trying to, to look at changing behaviors. Um, do we have clear expectations for student behavior? Sometimes um, the problem stems back to a lack of clarity for our students and sometimes our staff. Sometimes the staff has a very um, um, a dif- different perspectives on what is disrespectful behavior. Students may do thing in one, do something in one classroom and a teacher might not see that as disrespectful and others may deem it so. So it's important to work collaboratively with staff, with students. Hey, what is our students' experience? If, if we're having issues with students, when do we stop and ask students about their experience in our schools? And to get their perspective, their viewpoints, to, um, to, to get the whole puzzle in terms of what we need to do to improve student behavior. And then, you know, we've got to um, set goals and determine strategies and have an action plan that everyone has an opportunity for uh, participation in, get buy-in from others, monitor growth. Talk about what's working, what's not working, like I talked about earlier, and um, determine those next steps that need to happen and revisit that data. Revisit. It's not something that's one and done and, you know, okay, we put some strategies in place. We're going to move on to our next issue. Um, But you really have to be willing to stick with something like that in order to really see the the positive change come about. And, And, hey, you might not see the positive change for a while you might try some strategies and they might not be successful. That doesn't mean abandon um, that initiative or abandon that uh, effort. So I think those are important things to to think about, but just to kind of sum it up, I think, ask questions, you know, why, why do we think this is an issue? What have we already done? And then what can we do to improve in this area?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I I think, when people are focused on symptoms, they focus on what's happening, but to be more strategic, you're focused on why is that happening? And, right. and so you're listening and that becomes the question. And the other thing that uh, everything that you were describing is really taking that systems approach. So if I see something happening, I'm going to stop and I start asking questions, but I also look for the patterns and the other points along it. And like you said, check the data, because sometimes we see what we want to see. You know, or we magnify things. That data can really help us make sure that we're we are seeing what we think we're seeing.
1: Absolutely, and I think we have to look at our adult um, behaviors, our adult ideas, um, perceptions about things like this. You know, and we have to understand um, just the the cultural sensitivity. And, and sometimes we have to help staff members with things like that, especially around topics like student behavior mm-hmm. and have some conversations about that and understanding where our students come from and what they need from us in order to move forward and, and be successful.
0: Yeah. And I think that's especially cute right now. You know, we saw it in the fall, especially when kids are coming back from a lot of unstructured environments and, and they're having to readapt. Um, But also teachers are also stressed. So you've got you've got it coming both ways. And it's really, really a challenge. That's right. So you've worked with many principals and assistant principals. You've shared one story, wonderful story to to kick us off about an assistant principal really taking initiative and collaboratively working with other people on an instructional um, leadership piece. What do you look for in an AP that tells you that they're ready to move into that uh, that principalship?
1: Um, I love this topic. Um, I really enjoy the the work around this topic. Um, You know, each assistant administrator is on their own journey and there's no magic number of years for them to serve as an assistant administrator. It's really about their own growth, their uh, willingness to not only uh, participate and engage in the opportunities that are given to them, but also to go and seek out opportunities, that willingness to be uh, a learner um, and to model that. We need school leaders who model their own um, desire for professional learning. Um, that's so very important. But, you know, I think. Um, there are a lot of things that I think make a great assistant principal, um, one who is ready to move on. First and foremost, I think with, with any leadership position, educator position, it's about relationships. And, and I know we talk a lot about this in, in, in our field, but we're in the people business. And um, it doesn't matter sometimes how much content knowledge you have, how much textbook knowledge, how many degrees you have, all of those things have a time and a place. But children need people who are willing to invest in them. Adults need people who genuinely care about them and who take the time to develop relationships. So, uh, you know... It's like with all things; some people are more natural at being um, having a strength in relational uh, type things than others. If if it's not natural, it doesn't mean it can't happen. Some people have to be a little bit more intentional about it. Um, I, I have, I, I share tips, even with my principals, sometimes I've got some that are maybe a little bit more data driven and, um, focus more on the strategy and those kinds of things. And maybe the, the softer skills and the care and concern might not be the first thing they think of. And so I tell them, you know, when's the last time you wrote a handwritten note to someone, um, that those have, have unfortunately kind of gone out of style and they shouldn't That's something, who doesn't love getting a handwritten note from someone? And I shared something that I did when I was a principal. I was a principal of a large school. And I wanted to be sure that that at some point during the year that all of my staff members got a handwritten note. So they didn't know it, but I kept a little checklist of that just so I could keep up with and make sure that I had um, shared some love and appreciation with each person through a handwritten note. So that relationship piece, do whatever it takes to build those honest, genuine relationships and to show people that you care. Communication, um, gosh, I can't say enough about the importance of being an effective communicator. Um, if, if you're looking at the principalship, um, you, you've got to be careful not to over communicate, but you got to be careful about not under communicating as well. And And you gotta find the sweet spot for that. You have to have systems for communication. Um, You have to be clear with your people on how your communication is gonna come out and what you need them to do to uh, stay informed about what's going on in your school. Um, You shouldn't put everything in writing and say it verbally too. Um, Don't call a meeting if you don't need to call a meeting. If it's something that you can put in writing in your weekly newsletter or bulletin, then put it there. Think about what things you need to do in person face-to-face because that time is limited and we need to protect our people's time. Uh, So very important with that work-life balance piece. Problem solving and decision-making. I'm always looking to see with our assistant administrators um, who can think on their feet who can just make good solid decisions, who can identify problems and issues, but also come to the table with solutions and be a part of um, collaboratively solving problems and engaging other people in that work. Um, If it's just us doing that work and making those decisions, um, many times those decisions are not going to be well-received and, and plus you've only made that decision with your own, uh, perception. I only have one perception and it's so important for me to hear other people. I love it when I come into a meeting with an idea about what I believe should happen with whatever that topic is, we're going to talk about and somebody else's perception changes my mind, um, changes, uh, my thinking about something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I think another piece is mental toughness. Um, more and more these days, we, we are really looking for people who can deal with the demands of a challenging role, like being a school administrator. Um, it is, it's not for everyone. You've got to be able to deal with problems and issues, but not wear the negativity and the issues that you're faced with. You've got to be able to be positive and, and encouraging and uh, motivating for other pe- for people while still dealing with some of those problems that are out there.
0: Yeah, it, it's always, you know, we both spend our lives working with pretty high performing leaders and. It could be the worst day to say, hey, Brenda, how are you doing? Oh, it's great. We've achieved this and this and this and this and and for us, I think sometimes knowing actually when to be vulnerable. And, and because right. if, you, if you talk with a really good leader, you're going to get all the positives, which is what we do. And then, and then finding that space to step into and say, okay, like really, how are you?
1: <laughs> I so agree with you. You know, there's that term out there now, toxic positivity. Um, I don't know if you've um, done any reading on that, I didn't hear the term until about a year, year and a half ago. I think was the first time one of my principals said that that um, someone had felt that that she kind of had that toxic positivity, and I was like, "What is that?" And so it's it's definitely popped up more and more now. And as teachers have, you know, just dealt with the frustrations of the pandemic, and I think leaders trying to be positive, trying to be upbeat and encouraging. And sometimes that doesn't land in the right spot. So yeah, trying to find a balance between being positive, but also allowing space for, hey, this is really hard right now. This is really frustrating and, and I'm not happy and I'm not always feeling fulfilled in this work. And so trying to find the balance with that.
0: Yeah, and and maybe it's it's trying to, take some of that positivity and make it optimism. Positivity is it's going great when it's not. Optimism is we're going to get through this.
1: That that is a great way to put that. Yeah, absolutely. I think another piece with the question that you asked is around vision. I, I think back to when I was a first year principal and I'll be honest with you. One of the things that kind of terrified me the most was um creating a vision for a school you know when you're sitting in that assistant principal seat you have a lot of responsibility you have a um, a big job a hard job but you're not responsible for charting the course for that school you're not the one who's going to have the final say on the direction that the school is going to go and so as we're looking at aspiring principals really looking for indicators of folks who can step back and not see leadership responsibilities as different kind of silos or isolated um, parts of leadership. But those things start coming together and you see um, kind of a more blended view of the needs of a school and not just seeing things in isolation, And so that really takes some time, it takes some experience, Um, it takes, you know, trying and sometimes not always getting things right, and coming back to the table and trying again to be able to start putting together what a vision is for a school. But, you know, vision's just kind of a vague um, piece of leadership that it's not someone can hand you a hey Hey, here's a typical vision for a school. So you go and replicate that in your hundred day plan. It is so much more complicated than that. So vision is one that, and it's even hard for me to articulate what I'm looking for in our aspiring leaders with that. But um, what, what do you think about that, Frederick?
0: I think we could do a whole podcast on vision. (laughs) (laughs) Another day. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, one of the we we live in a society where our primary when we think about leadership, we think about somebody with vision, right? Somebody who can set the course. And so that's that's what we've grown up with. And that's I think we naturally then look for leaders that can do that. But one of the challenges is that schools have changed so much. My father-in-law was a principal for 15, 20 years. In a school that he had taught in. So for him to articulate the vision was a lot easier because he was articulating the culture of that school and what the teachers and what the community wanted, because he understood mm-hmm. that. When we have somebody who hasn't been in a school, they come in and maybe they're only going to be there for three years and we're asking them to articulate the vision. I think then we're, we're in a different place and that can be really um. Dangerous mm-hmm. uh, that and and so I think there are a lot of conversations really to be had about what does it mean? Not only what does vision mean, but what does it mean to articulate the vision? And and I think I think most of us would probably in agreement that when we say that we're really talking about collaboratively building that yeah. vision. And yeah. and I think it is the the leader's job is not to create the vision, but to help help um, people collaboratively develop it. And then the leader has to articulate it.
1: Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, right along with vision, is it the importance of um, instructional leadership? That's the other huge shift that the principalship has, has made um, over the past couple of decades. Uh, again, as I stated earlier, the, the principalship used to be managerial, uh, making sure that there were enough custodians and um, just hiring teachers, not that that's not instructional leadership, that is, but it, it requires so much more than that now. We have uh, instructional coaches in many of our, our schools um, in our country, and so it's, it's important to have that resource, but they're not the instructional leader of the school, they are an important resource but the principal has to be the instructional leader of the school. Yeah. And, you know, if your content area was um, music or maybe you taught just first grade, you really have to work hard as the instructional leader to continue to grow in all areas of your school program. Uh, maybe you were a math teacher and you're now responsible for leading uh, reading and, and balanced literacy. And so you have to be intentional about being um, a constant learner and asking questions. When I was a teacher, I taught fifth and eighth grades and I never taught children how to read because by the time they got to fifth or eighth grades, they had already known how to read. And so when I became um, an assistant administrator, I knew that a big learning opportunity for me was to learn more about early literacy. Mm. And um, the best way to do that was to go observe strong teachers, to take professional development grounded in early literacy, to read, to study, um, but, but being in those classrooms and asking teachers questions, and I said, hey, I'm gonna ask a lot of questions and it's not because I'm doubting what you're doing, but I'm learning more about my own practice and how to better to support teachers um, with this content knowledge. So, you know, we've got to know good teaching as instructional leaders. What does good teaching look like? And if we don't see good teaching, what do we do about that? What are our next steps to support teachers in perfecting their craft. It's not as simple as move those teachers out and bring others in. Many times there are not going to be teachers waiting in the wings, so we have to get good at developing um, better teachers. Yeah. If they don't have the skill set that they need to have, and sometimes we see that with our first-year teachers, what can we do to better support them?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that I tried to step into this assistant principal space because we we know what we need, what the pipeline needs to have, what people need to come out with, and it is that instructional leadership, and yet that is probably the hardest thing to develop when you're an assistant principal. Um, so we spent a lot of time on this podcast and in Apex trying to work on some of those coaching skills and. And but before you can do that instructional leadership, it is those systems pieces and the organization. Because if you can't do that, you can't get to the classroom. And right. I want to jump on a couple other things that came out in this conversation. One is all these things that, that are important that you're looking for, they're not all going to come across in an interview. And so the message to all the assistant principals out there is you're interviewing every day.
1: That's right. We say that all the time in our district. You're always on an interview with every exchange that we have with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and I, I think that I think that's a healthy thing in, and because you're always putting your best foot forward and you should be. And that's going to make you better at your job. It's also going to make you happier when you put out your effort every day.
1: Absolutely.
0: I've also had former students uh, call me up and say, I I've applied three different times for the principalship and I didn't get it any time. They just keep telling me it wasn't the right fit. What am I supposed to do? And my answer is always keep applying because fit is actually really important. And when somebody tells you it wasn't the right fit, they're not just trying to blow smoke. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, and I agree. Um, I, I always like it when candidates ask for feedback after interviews. I think that's an important step to, to take in order to learn more about how you do in the process. Fit can be one piece of it, and, and that's an important piece that, that we can't ignore. But then usually it's not just fit, I would say, with the majority of people. Um, Are there things about the interview that you can improve? Are there things about your own learning? Um, Are you able to provide clear examples of your leadership so that the interview team can see who you are as a leader and to, to get a glimpse of what your leadership would look like? You know, sometimes when we ask questions in interviews, they start off with like a textbook answer and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to be sure that that candidates go deeper with examples of their own leadership and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, Examples of their work coming alongside teachers. So that's where they need to be intentional if they don't get those opportunities or if they feel like they don't have time for those opportunities or they're not given to them. That's a conversation they can have with their principal and say, hey, I'd love, you know, something instructionally that would really help me to further develop my instructional leadership. What is the need in our school? You know, maybe the third grade team does not have a strong PLC structure. Maybe the assistant principal could um, come alongside that grade level team and meet with them weekly and help them self-assess and identify, you know, how they can strengthen their grade level team as a PLC and, and work together. Um, but but you have to add You have to look for those opportunities. You have to take initiative. You've got to ask. Principals are busy. They, they are not always, they should, but they're not always going to, to be focusing solely on their assistant principals development. So assistant principals need to, to ask for what they need.
0: That's such a great point. I'm so glad you said that, because I think there are a lot of assistant principals who think, I I want that instructional leadership experience, but they haven't given it to me. Yeah, they've got so much going on. You need to take the initiative.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: All right. Okay, so we're going to start wrapping up. I have three more questions for you. First of all, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at?
1: So the biggest area of focus that um, our principal supervisors are working on, and I'm included in that, is is principal coaching. Mm. You mentioned kind of earlier on that our district has been intentional with uh, specific professional development around principal coaching, and that's some work that I've been engaged in for several years now. We have a coach that comes alongside us, and And challenges us, and and provides some great content to us. And um, we each select uh, a principal to do some formal coaching with, and we even um, do some coaching in a fishbowl, and have our colleagues around observing that those coaching sessions. And they give us warm and cool feedback, and we talk about next steps and how we can better support our principals. So that has been probably um, some of the most significant professional development that I've had since being in this role. And it, it's been extremely beneficial. Uh, my role is supporting coaching and evaluating principles. When I came into the role eight years ago, it was probably just support and evaluate mm-hmm. if, if, I, if I'm being honest with you. So that coaching element has been instrumental in helping to move our principals forward and help them to develop the skill sets that they need, um, mainly in that area of instructional leadership. So um, that's something that I'm very committed to continuing to work on.
0: Okay, and I wanna point something out to everybody that's listening. and and. I have sat in on some of those things with y'all and and it really is exciting when you do the fishbowl and I feel bad for those teachers. They're there with their principal (laughs) and there's all the district people sitting around, but um, here you are nationally award-winning principal, former principal. Now you're in the assistant superintendent and you're working on your practice. And not only are you working at it, but you're working at it in a way that that is vulnerable, right? Because you've got people watching you and you're still digging in. So doesn't matter what level we're at, we're still all trying to get better and coaching is so complex. So for all the assistant principals out there and if there's principals listening, the best people in our business are still working on their craft and still trying to get better and they're taking risks to get better. So I I think that I almost want to end it right there that every assistant principal and principal out there should be willing to take some risks to continue to grow and improve their craft.
1: That's right. I agree.
0: Yeah. But we have two more questions. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So if leaders could take just one thing away from today's podcast, what would it be? Mm.
1: You know, I think you cannot underestimate the power of the relationship, Um, the content piece, the data-driven piece, all of that is so very important, but if we don't have relationships with students and relationships with the adults that we serve, um, we can't do the harder work, so I think we all have to constantly take a look at our own um, relationship skills, and sometimes Um, be open to feedback from others, whether that's survey data or just good, honest feedback from someone that you trust. Um, Ask your supervisor, you know, how am I at building and sustaining meaningful relationships with others, kids and adults? You have to have both of those to be able to be successful in this work. Um, So I think that everything starts with relationships.
0: And it's such a cliche, but I think in really good times, you can get by without having the relationships. Mm -hmm. But when times are tough. Right. Yeah. Anything else that you'd like to share with listeners?
1: I just appreciate our assistant administrators, all administrators for showing up every single day. I'm so grateful for the ongoing commitment that educators are making during one of the most difficult times in our nation and our world's history. Um, We're gonna look back on this years from now and just be in awe at what educators have done and our assistant principals are right in the mix of that. We could not be successful without our assistant administrators. I relied on mine so heavily as a school principal. Um, They were a blessing to me. I learned things from them. I hope I taught them some things as well, Um, but we we are just, you know, so fortunate to be able to have dedicated, hardworking folks who are committed to um, helping children learn and to help them um, have better opportunities going forward and making adults' lives better as well. Um, assistant principals are key in that that role there in the school. So, I just look for every opportunity I can get to to celebrate, to praise, to thank um, our employees, which include our assistant administrators for everything that they do.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. What a great message for people. Okay, so this has been great. I want to thank you for coming on to the show today. Sure. And. Probably going to drag you back on someday because there's a lot more that we could talk about. I'd someday. be glad to. All right. We will book you in the in the future, maybe like the 50th episode or something. <laughs> We're moving fast. All right. So if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate this podcast. That helps other assistant principals find it. I'm always trying to improve the show. So if you have any feedback for me, please email me at frederick at If you'd like more content tailored towards the needs of assistant principals, you can head over to my website at frederickbuskey.com. That wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Buskey, and I hope you'll join me next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast.